and welcome to The Crashdown. My name is CJ, and this is it. The day is finally here. We're talking about one of my all-time favorite episodes, Blind Date. I don't know why this episode is one of my favorites. Maybe it's because we get to see Alex's band. Maybe it's because Max and Kyle team up. I don't know, but every time I watch this episode, it just makes me so happy. There's so many wacky hijinks, so let's just get started. The episode opens in the crashdown. There's no voiceover or diary entry. It's Maria and Liz working. Alex is hanging out, playing his guitar, but it's an electric guitar and not plugged in, so he's just kind of plinking away on the strings. He's excited because his band is auditioning for this big concert in town that's coming up. And it just so happens to be for KROZ, and that's the local radio station. You see, they held this contest to find the perfect blind date for someone. And it just so happens that Maria entered Liz's name. She's still on this campaign to get Liz to move on from these aliens. So she entered, unbeknownst to Liz, and guess what? She's the winner. So you hear over the radio that they're coming and then all of a sudden they're walking into the crash down and the radio host is congratulating her on winning. It's this real Cinderella moment because Liz is standing there. She's got these bright gloves on that go up to her elbows and she had just been mopping the ground. So she really is this kind of Cinderella character. And once this radio station swoops in, they fill her arm with a bouquet of flowers and they put a tiara on her head and she's just standing there totally in shock, completely embarrassed, probably a little bit mad at Maria for doing this, and the whole time Maria's just clapping her hands, all excited like, yes, this is what she needs, hooray! Can you imagine being blindsided like that? I don't think I would be too happy either. It's one thing if you wanted to move on, but she's obviously still so hung up on Max. And she's a naturally shy person, oh my goodness, this is gonna be crazy! So after the opening credits, Liz and Maria are at school, and Liz is trying to be incognito. She's wearing this giant, like, bucket hat, dressed all in black, with these giant black sunglasses on. Um, guys, I know it's TV, and I know movies tell you this, but dressing like that is gonna draw so much more attention than if you just dressed normally. She's just crossing her fingers, though, that no one's heard about this. But, no, everyone has. Maria is trying to give her some tough love with this, telling her, like, Max dumped you. You're almost embarrassing yourself pining after him like that. Now, if only Maria had something to distract herself with. Oh, wait, what's that? Alex is putting up some posters around the school's campus, advertising that he needs a new lead singer for his band. You see, the old one got mono, and they say she's lucky that's all she caught but it means they're stuck in the lurch, and if they want to audition, they know they have to have a great frontman. Or woman. Maria kind of steps up, and this is another one of her cocky moments. She's insecure in some ways, but then, like I've said in the past, she's the kind of character that thinks she can do anything. So she says, all right, all right, stop begging. Okay, I'll do it. I'll show up at four o'clock or whatever, be ready, I'll bring you all my notes. Uh, Alex is kind of like, hold up. I don't know if you're really our sound. How do we know if you can even sing? You have to audition like everyone else, but mm, no. Maria knows she's landed this gig. And this is a hilarious thing through the whole episode. You, you see her show up at this audition, and she's listening to the band play their song. They play only original songs. 
because they're like an alternative band. But it's hilarious because you just hear like the last like six, eight bars of this song a dozen times throughout this episode. You hear it when they're practicing. You hear it when they finally do audition for that concert. And she has all these notes. They need to work on their look and their songs and the tempo and the key. And all these other guys are really offended naturally. Like, uh, who is this chick? And then she just picks up the mic like, follow me kind of thing. Like, I got this. And then it cuts away. And same thing when they're auditioning. When they're finally auditioning and she gets there, it just cuts away. And you're like, no, can she sing? Oh my gosh, I want to hear. What is the type of music that this character would sing? She's all over the place. I really almost couldn't guess. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. That day at school, Max obviously has heard about this radio show, and he's looking really upset. And Kyle walks by saying, Evans, I know your pain. And Max is like, no, our situations are totally different. We didn't break up. And he's like, I know that feeling. That's denial, my friend. Max is trying to be all stoic. You can't break up if you were never together. But this is the start of a brief little pairing between these two characters. And I absolutely love it. They are so funny together because Max is so serious. He's such a stick in the mud. And Kyle, there's a line later on, no matter how much of a jackass he's being, he's always funny. And I love that. Even though... Kyle's problems are so small, to a normal teenager, that would be epic. That would be the hardest thing you faced. Versus Max, this is barely a blip on his radar. He's gone through so much in his life, or at least that's what he wants people to think. Kyle is convinced that Liz is a man-eater. This is just her pattern. She goes after guy after guy. The cycle continues. The hunger returns. That is the most ridiculous description of Liz I've ever heard. She is the sweetest, nicest, most naive girl who is scared to be alone with a guy in the eraser room. She is by no definition of the word a man-eater. Oh my goodness, but of course a jilted ex is going to have that perspective. It's really hard to be introspective after a breakup. Of course you want to analyze everything. What if I did that? What if he did this? But most people kind of conclude that person was a jerk. And after all the pining Kyle did, yeah, she's kind of a jerk. And she was. She did lead him on. Not fair. I kind of like Kyle. What are you going to do? Now, I think one of the reasons why Max is trying not to focus on this Liz drama is because he's got all this Nisado drama to deal with. After the last episodes, with this Hubble and learning all this information that the fourth alien might be a killer... He's really stuck as to what to do. Obviously, he wants to pull a max. He wants to be passive and do nothing. But after all of Michael's hallucinations, he firmly believes this is their mission. That light in the woods was a sign from Nisado. They have to send one back. It doesn't matter that this other alien could be a killer. He is family. He's one of them. They need to find him. Isabel, once again, is caught in the middle. She's scared, but at the same time, she points out what would she have done if she was alone all of those years. You don't know what it would have been like for him. You don't know if there were people after him, and Hubble was. And so if it's your life or someone else's, that natural instinct to survive kicks in. You can't really judge him before you see him. 
Still, Max tries to put his foot down. They're not doing it. And once again, Michael is not going to let anything stop him. He just storms off saying, have fun with your cherry colas and your high school fantasies. He needs this. He needs this. He doesn't have anything else in his life. And this is a link to his home. And it's a link that he had. When he was really sick and he was having those visions, he knew that those cave paintings were a map. Those stones were symbols on this map. He even tells them it was all clear in his hallucination. And I understand why you'd write someone off when that's their proof. It was clear in my hallucination. It's sort of an oxymoron. But this wasn't just a drug-fueled state. Riverdog knew when he invited Michael into that sweat lodge that it disrupted something inside the alien's own being. It upset their balance, and for Michael, who's already out of balance, who's to say that didn't make him more in tune with who he really was? He's not going to give this up. That's actually the rest of his storyline for this episode. He shows up at Isabel's room late that night, knocking on the window. He's drawn out all these symbols. He's done all this research about constellations, and when Aries is overhead, it perfectly aligns so that different locations in Roswell sit on top of certain symbols. Isabel is shocked because he never puts that much energy into anything. And because she can see this is so important, she goes with him. And ironically, one of the symbols lead to the library. So they're outside on the library like grass. And Isabel has this line, I think this is the closest you've ever been to a library. Anyways, he picks up this lighter fluid that he brought and he starts drawing a symbol in the grass. And it's two kind of C's that are curved in towards each other with a dot in the middle. So it's like an oval, but that's been broken down the center. I don't know, look it up, you guys. Watch this episode. You know what I'm talking about. But he puts this symbol on the grass and they set it on fire. And then they wait. Michael is more sure of this than anything else in his life. But nothing comes. Isabel tries to comfort him, but he's really distressed. He says no one ever comes for him. That's been his whole life. There's no one who cares. There's no one who checks in. There's no one who comes back for him. And Isabel says she will. Is she not enough? She'll always be there for him. And I love this relationship too. We don't get to see this very often. Yes, Michael goes to Isabel, but it's the first time that they feel like sort of a family. I know they aren't exactly a family. You see that brotherly bond with Max, but I think she has that same affection for Michael now. She sees what we see, this vulnerable child that needs to be supported and loved and cared for. No wonder he's got his guard up all the time is because he's been nothing but attacked. After what I presume is hours sitting there, they put out the fire. Michael has to ask Isabel to wipe the grass, to wave her hand over it so it goes back to normal and no one knows that they were vandalizing this alien symbol onto public property. Right? Another well-thought-out Michael plan. And it's so sad that he doesn't have that command of his powers, but if it ties into maybe emotion, Isabel's the most grounded and the most in tune with herself, and Michael is all over the place. He doesn't have any of that self-discipline. Ugh, it's so sad. I feel for this character, you guys. Let's get on to a little bit of a happier topic. Instead of Michael being left behind, let's move back to this blind date. 
So the radio station wants to make sure that they find the perfect match for Liz. So they're having a little quiz. And this radio host is asking her all sorts of questions like, would you prefer a blonde or brunette? And she says, brunette, a guy from home or out of town? Well, she likes out of towners. A clown or a brainiac? No, she doesn't like the funny guys. Someone who's an open book or a challenge? She says, I'm always up for a challenge. And so the radio host summarizes, okay, you need a serious, dark-haired mystery man from an exotic place. And the whole time he's saying this, Max is just sitting in the background. They're holding this interview at the crashdown, so he's just like a booth right there. Like, she's staring at him the whole time, just exactly describing him. Oh my goodness. Does she know that she's doing that? Is she saying that on purpose? Does he understand that she's talking about him? Oh my goodness, of course not. They're all high school kids. None of them know what they're doing. I love it. Anyways, simultaneously, this radio station is trying to find a band. See, at the end of this blind date, they're going to have a big concert and there's a mystery band that's playing. And this is where we get some of those musical references again, because people in the episode are trying to guess who it could be. They think maybe Smash Mouth, Bare Naked Ladies, Oasis. At one point, someone throws out the Foo Fighters. Oh, what a time capsule, you guys. I love all of these bands. And only some of them, ironically. It's hilarious. These bands are huge. There's no way this little radio station in Roswell would be able to land any of these bands anytime in the 90s or 2000s. I think even today, I still don't think a radio station in Roswell could hire like the Bare Naked Ladies. Hilarious though. And that just got me thinking of all that great music. Ugh. So funny. So funny. Now, as I mentioned at this audition, you hear the end of Alex's band playing those eight bars again. And these radio execs look so bored. They're like, what was the name of that one again? And that one was Love Kills. And wasn't that the name of the one you played before that? No, that one is called A Hurt by Love. Hmm, I wonder who wrote these songs. Could this be Alex expressing his true heart's desire that has been shattered by poor Isabel? Uh, my whole thing, though, is I'm pretty sure these guys know really quickly whether or not this band is going to be the one. If they're sitting there and this is like their last band to see, why wouldn't you send them home? Why are you letting them play more than one song? That's when Maria shows up, dressed totally like a diva. She's wearing, okay, it's an actually a really cute top with all this fringe on it, but these ridiculous high heels, and oh my goodness, she's just like, oh, you waited, you waited, oh, thank you. You have to hear my band. And immediately she starts stepping in, taking over. They're going to do it her way. She's the star after all. They want a really good lead singer. And then once again, she steps up to the mic, opens her mouth, and then it cuts away. And I'm like, no, Maria, I want to hear her sing. And it's like that American Idol. You don't care if it's good or bad. You kind of want to hear it either way. We'll have to wait, though. It must be pretty good, though, because apparently their band got this spot. Yes. And Maria has been celebrating by going shopping at a thrift store. And she spent 50 bucks there. I love, of course, that's where Maria would shop. She's so eccentric. She wants one-of-a-kind things. She wants to stand out in a crowd so that no one is going to wear anything that she's wearing. The guys in the band are not fond of this, though. They are who they are. They're just a bunch of geeky high school kids, and that's the way they like it. 
By this time, the radio station have chosen their mystery man for Liz, and the date is being set up, so Liz is getting ready, and her hair is all curled, she's wearing this cute little black dress, and the makeup that she has on is so 99, 2000, I love it. She's got glitter all over her cheeks, not like it's shimmer, not like she's wearing glittery eyeshadow, like straight up big chunks just smothered on the side of her face so she looks kind of frosted. I mean, she does. She looks adorable. But, hmm, whenever I look back, I'm like, no, 2000s didn't have that much terrible makeup. Then I look at things like this and I'm like, oh, right. It wasn't terrible. It was just totally bizarro. And this is the kind of glitter that's going to show up everywhere for ages. Like weeks later, you'll have 20 showers and then all of a sudden you'll just find a piece of it on your pillow or on your face or like in your shoe. Ugh. I recently heard the term craft herpes and they describe glitter that way because you just can't get rid of it. And I was like, that's really accurate. You think it's gone. You think it's all cleared up. Oh no, there's another piece of glitter. That's what she's wearing. As she's getting ready though, she sees Max on the terrace outside her bedroom and she goes outside to him and he tells her he made a mistake, that he loves her, that he's always loved her. And then a horn sounds and you realize that was all just a fantasy inside Liz's head. And Maria's telling her, oh, you have to get downstairs. It's time. Oh, it's so sad. She just wants to be with Max and now she's dragged into this giant affair. Liz knows how to do her duty, though, and she's not going to stand some guy up. So she goes down and is introduced to Doug a freshman at the University of New Mexico who studies ancient languages and one day hopes to become an archaeologist so he can travel to exotic places. Ooh! And wow, that's pretty spot on. Good job, KROZ. I would say that's a pretty good choice, and he's a pretty good-looking guy, although he is not a freshman. And I also have to really wonder, uh, I don't think Liz is a teen yet. I'm pretty sure if you got a dating contest, there would be some sort of legal ramifications about that. Unless Maria lied, or unless in New Mexico there's like much lower ages of consent, but I'm pretty sure it's not just consent. I don't know. This is where it gets really sticky. And maybe if this guy looked like he could be just 18, I might believe it, but this guy looks like 28 to 35. That's the age range I'd put this guy in. And maybe he's just got a mature face, but I don't know. This is a really sticky situation. I don't think you could get around something like this today. I don't think this would make it past some of the censors. Whatever, though. We're putting it in the past. We love this episode. And the two of them head out on their date. They go to Chez Pierre, this very expensive restaurant in town, where they have to sit at this table and there's this glass window right next to them. And there are people just crowding around on the streets, staring through the window. Does nothing happen in this town? Are radio contests really that popular? Would anyone really just show up and be like, ooh, there's an underage girl. Ooh, let's watch her. And the whole time, they're pretty much sitting in silence. Liz is just sitting there. They're eating their meal. And like at the next table over, this radio host is there narrating the whole thing. So whatever small talk they have, like, oh, the steak is very tender. Oh, can you pass the salt? He's like, she finds the steak very tender, but apparently not salty enough. 
oh, they're leaning in, they're whispering, ooh, that's a good sign. And they're whispering to say, I think we probably shouldn't talk. Because, <laughs> oh my god, how, oh, unless you're one of these attention whores, how could you ever just have a normal date in front of all of these people? And that's apparently what both of them wanted. You learn later on, that's just what Doug was looking for too. And okay, I don't believe you for one second, guy, because if you wanted a normal date, you wouldn't answer a radio competition. You think normal people are like, hey, I'm going to entrust my dating life to a publicity stunt by a network that's for money and ratings and are going to parade me around like an idiot? Um, no. Doug's explanation is that the girls in the archaeology department are just too serious. It feels like they're on their own personal mission to uncover some secret. And Liz is like, wow, I know just what you mean. Oh my gosh. Really ridiculous writing, but still, oh my goodness. And okay, even as I'm saying this criticism, you can probably hear in my voice, I'm trying so hard not to laugh. I find this whole thing just so funny. It's just that awkward sense of humor that you're kind of cringing. If you were in this situation, it's just, oh, I wouldn't even know what to say. I would not want to talk either. Oh my, Or I would just laugh in the person's face and like get up and walk away. But I am not as sweet as Liz. She sits there and she takes it. Now Max, on the other hand is starting to sulk. He's just lying in his bed alone at home, listening to this date on the radio, when all of a sudden he hears some noise coming outside his house. It's Kyle. He showed up with a bunch of his buddies, and they are drunk. I guess Kyle was really upset by this radio interview, too. So he comes to commiserate with Max. Max doesn't want to be Kyle's friend, though. He tells him to be quiet before the neighbor calls the cops. And... Drunk Kyle is just like, you've got to listen to him, boys. This guy knows how to evade the law. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. He knows how to get away with all this stuff. Except his lying isn't really that good, but I guess that's why he just avoids conflict in the first place. Kyle has had the brilliant idea of going to this final concert, though, where this blind date will end. And Max isn't going to let them drive there. They've all been drinking. And so he's given an ultimatum. Kyle says, well, either you drive then or we're, we're basically just going to camp out on your lawn. So Max gives in. He drives Kyle outside this restaurant. They're now part of this crowd that's standing outside watching them. And someone has this giant boom box, I guess, so they can hear the narration as they're watching this date. This is so creepy. Okay, maybe it's because today we have like live streaming. So if you want to peer at someone you do it from your own home but this just seems like over the top weird are you guys really voyeuristic like this are you really this masochistic that you would want to punish yourself i don't get this at all anyway max is now wanting to peace out he drove kyle he's going to keep the keys until the next day because he's responsible i love that message do not drink and drive and don't give the keys back to the drunk person they can get it the next day. It doesn't matter if they're inconvenienced. It doesn't matter if they have to pay for a taxi or wait for buses to start running again. You never, ever, not once, ever drink and drive. And especially in Roswell, that already has a history of car accidents. Can you imagine? I think if someone drove drunk in this town, they would kill like a hundred people. So no, never, not even once, you guys. It's not worth it. Drunken Kyle, though, is having none of it. And it's in this moment 
that I guess dinner is over at this point and this creepy radio host who's trying to promote this hookup with this underage girl says, I know we've all been waiting for it instead of waiting until the end of the night. How about you just kiss her right now? Just like we showed you? Who was this guy practicing on? Why were they practicing how to kiss this girl? Is this part of some sick elaborate joke? Is the radio host the voyeur? Does he have some sick fantasies? I don't know, but it's making me laugh even though it's super inappropriate. So Doug, our archaeologist, he takes Liz into his arms, he dips her back, kisses her, and then basically says on the count of three we make a break for the kitchen, they'll never catch us. And they do, but not before Max sees this kiss. They lock eyes through the window because he's like 20 meters away. He's right there and there's a glass wall in between them. Oh my goodness, so creepy. So Liz is looking back over her shoulder as they're running. Max is fed up though. He sees them take off behind the back of the building. And so when Kyle offers him a sip from his flask, Max does it. Just one sip. Kyle even reassures him nothing bad will happen. Oh, but he's alien, so of course something's gonna happen. All of a sudden, the whole world becomes distorted, and we get kind of weird camera angles and shifting images because Max is tripping. He is out of it hardcore. And all of a sudden, his whole personality switches. Him and Kyle are now going to be best buds. And this is where, like, my favorite part of the episode really starts ramping up. I love drunken Max. I love him because he is not going to repress himself like the normal Max would. And he even has a new policy. He's just going to say anything. He's going to do what he wants to do for once in his life. And so, of course, the shenanigans start. Being boys, they have to have a physical competition, so they decide to race to a mailbox. And Max is like, on your marks, go! And Kyle's like, ah, oh, you forgot, get set! But Max takes off, he gets around the corner, and then what? Disappears? <gasps> oh no! Drunk Max isn't afraid of hiding his powers! So he has magicked himself onto a shop awning, like, around the corner, over the door, and Kyle's like, how did you get up there? And Drunken Max is like, oh, a ladder. But there's no ladder. And he's like, yeah, not anymore. And even though Kyle is drunk and thinking stupidly, he's still like, you better come down before you get hurt. Everyone's going to blame me for this. He knows. Max knows how to evade the law. He's not going to be the one that gets in trouble for this. So Max jumps down because they're best buds now. Kyle was totally right about him. He was bottling everything up, and it's about time that they take a stand for what they really want. And that's where that, Kyle, you're funny even if you're being a jackass line comes in. But it's time to tell the truth. He loves Liz. And Kyle asks, why are you not together? Because he's a serious, dark-haired mystery man from an exotic place. And Kyle's like, but that's exactly what she wants. And Max just shrugs, women! Go figure. And this is where Kyle starts to get sad because obviously he was drinking to cover up his pain. And he says, we're losers. We've been beaten. But no, they've only been beaten by this Doug. They call him Dog Boy. Because they gave up. It's time that they're going to win her back. And so that's when they take off to go find Liz. And I love that together they're going to win her back. And Kyle's kind of thinking, well, how do we split her? 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every other Saturday. But he's in. Yeah, they want Liz back. They're gonna win her back together. Oh my goodness. It just makes me laugh so hard. I love them working together, but all the logic is gone. All the rationality has gone out the window. Oh my goodness. I'm trying so hard not to just break down into laughter just thinking about it. <laughs> it's too much, you guys. Anyways, they end up going back to her place. They climb up that ladder to her terrace outside of her bedroom, and Max is using his finger to spray paint M-E plus L-P in a heart with an arrow through it, and Kyle is very impressed. He doesn't see Max do it with his finger, but he's just like, yeah, I know girls like that meaningful stuff. I'm not very good at that. Is it true it really gets you farther? You know, like, farther... Then he straight out asks, how far have you gotten with Liz? Max is like, we saw into each other's souls. What a great description for what they had, because absolutely that is 100% accurate. They had this spiritual connection that let them feel and experience what the other person did. If that's not experiencing someone's soul, I don't know what is. And then Max asks Kyle, you know, second base. And I love that that's Kyle's life. He takes what Max is saying, kind of nods and smiles, and then just answers totally logically, totally normally. I really do like this pairing. They're so funny. It's like such an odd couple of people that hardly ever interact. They're usually just kind of glaring at each other from across a room. So to have them actually banter and be harsh with each other, but also have this common bond. Oh, I just love it. It warms my heart. They can't go that far without going into Mecca, though. Liz's bedroom is right there, so they decide they're gonna just take a little look-see. Kyle, being the normal guy he is, goes right for her lingerie drawer. <gasps> Dare he? And Max is just going around her room looking at all her pictures, and in every picture, if there's another person who isn't Liz, he puts his face on top of the other person's face. Like, photoshopping, like, before photoshopping was really, really popular, he just, like, blump, 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 dropping his face into, like, it's a picture of Alex and Maria and Liz, and it's just now Liz and Max and Max, but on these other people's bodies, it's, like, the most crude photoshop. He could have done anything he wanted, but that, nope, just bloop, 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 my little face. Oh, hilarious. They don't have very much time to look around, though, because Liz and Doug decide they need to escape. The K. Roswell van has shown up at the crashdown, and they still don't want to be on air again, so they run upstairs, and that's when Liz is kind of like, what the heck is going on? Doug's like, who are these guys? Kyle's just like, the exes. And right away, Liz can tell something is up with Max. He's not acting like himself, and... She tries to ask Kyle, like, what happened? Oh, he's just a little drunk. Liz is trying to say, well, don't believe anything he says. He's kind of a liar when he's drinking. And the whole time, Max is just spilling, like, secret after secret. So Liz has to pull him outside. And Doug tries to go after them. But Kyle blocks him with all his, like, high school wrestling moves. And I love that. Like, these guys are buddies now. So no, we've got to win her back. And so I'll let her go off alone with this other guy. But in Kyle's drunken mind, he's like, no, if it's going to be anyone, at least it's one of us. We don't want some outsider coming in. We don't need any more competition. We'll settle this like gentlemen. We'll split her every other day. <laughs> Hilarious, you guys. I don't know what it is. I love it. 
So outside, Max points out his painting and then he touches it and makes it glow. But there isn't a lot of time to discuss anything because the KROZ crew is upstairs and they walk into the bedroom to find Kyle and Doug wrestling on the bed. So they're like, ooh, things seem to be progressing. It looks like Doug has made his way into the bedroom with another man. Wait, well, Liz escapes down the back with, wait, another dark-haired mystery man? As much as I think this is a terrible radio broadcast, it's actually kind of winning me over. Because imagine if you were listening. At first you just think, oh, it's going to be some weird blind date. It's going to be awkward and cheesy. Then all of a sudden they're running away and you're on this merry chase and they're trying to track them down. And then these other guys just show up. Ah, okay. K-R-O-Z. Maybe you did know what you were doing. This is highly entertaining. On the run, Liz and Max finally get a chance to talk. And all of this stuff just starts coming out. He tells her that he wants to run away with her. As long as they're together, nothing else matters. And this actually comes up a few times throughout the series. Just this thought of dropping it all and starting new. And they always do it when they're scared. But then I wonder if that's the best way for them to be happy as well. Liz is writing this all off. No, you're just drunk, whatever. But then she's hearing what she wants to hear. And he is being true to himself, although he's being completely reckless. As they're walking down the street, he taps a street lamp and makes the light go like a disco ball. He touches a car and he's like, when we're not together, it's like this. And the car alarm goes off. But when we are together, and he actually changes the tune so it sounds like a little music box... He tells her she's his dream girl, and she's trying to ask, but what about tomorrow? And he's like, but I'll still have you. And then he ends up setting off all these parking meters, and they explode like these sparkler fireworks. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. How could you not be won over? At this point, the KROZ van shows back up. They get a drive. They go to this concert, and they've rounded up all these bachelors. So you've got Doug who's totally flustered, has no idea what's going on, Max, who's still drunk and in love with her, and Kyle, who is starting to sober up. But before I get to that finale, I want to jump back to what Maria is doing. She is already at this concert hall. She's backstage with the band. Since they booked the gig, she has been preparing. The only little hitch is is that she's starting to freak out a little bit. She's panicking. She saw how many people were outside, and she's never sang in front of that many people before. So she's, like, breathing really heavily, like, (gasps) (sighs) 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 and Alex is starting to get a little worried, like, "Uh, are you going to be okay? But then one of the other band members starts doing it, too. They're like, oh, no, are you panicking, too? But no, he's like, if you do this, you kind of get a buzz. Anyways, once they're called out on stage, the band goes out, they get their instruments, they're all ready to play. Maria walks onto the stage, walks up to the mic, walks past the mic, and then right off stage again. She can't do it. Who did she think she was in this outfit? She does not want to go on at all, except the record exec says that the main band isn't coming. And I'm like, oh, this is totally budgetary issues. Any other teen show today would totally have a big up-and-coming band in this spot to play during the show. But they don't have the budget for that. So, oh, they're not showing. Now you're the only entertainment we have. You have to play. Uh, more pressure on Maria is not helping, though. 
So to pass the time, this KROZ radio host lines these bachelors up in a row and basically is saying, it's time for you to pick. Do you want Doug, the guy that we picked for you? Do you want Lyle? And he's like, Kyle. Or do you want this other mystery man, Max? And when they're listing each one, Doug's just like, I thought you just wanted a normal date. And Kyle is, Lyle, Kyle is just like, I'm just happy to be nominated. And Max, he goes up to her and then he just kisses her. And in this moment, you have these flashes again. You see the moments of them together. You see them as children. You see the cave paintings and the stars in the sky. You see their whole lives flash. And his whole scenes were always being filmed in this sort of distorted, trippy movement. But as soon as the kiss stops, everything comes back into focus. And it's like he's just waking up and he's on this stage in this spotlight in front of all these people kissing Liz. And he's just like, I'm so sorry. And then he leaves her. He rushes off stage because sensible Max knows why they're not together. Sensible Max is going to deprive himself of what he wants for what he thinks is his duty. And poor Liz, of course she wants him. She doesn't want Doug. She doesn't want Kyle back. So when Max runs off the stage, she does too. And this is when Maria is like, we have to do something. For herself, she couldn't get the courage, but as soon as Liz is humiliated like this, she has to do something to draw the crowd's attention away, and that's when she steps up to the mic, and people had compared her to Celine Dion. She thought she was more of an Alanis Morissette, but she starts singing, Can you feel it coming in the air tonight? And it's so good, except she's 10,000 times better than me. She blows them away, and it kind of gives you these chills as she's singing. And now this is the background music. When Liz is trying to confront Max, asking him, did you really mean what you were saying tonight? Referring to that you love me, that you want to run away with me, that nothing else matters, that you're my dream girl. He said everything she's longed to hear. Was any of it real? He just says he's sorry, he doesn't remember. And oh, that's the biggest cop-out of people who overdrink. And oh, I blacked out, I didn't remember. I'm doing quotation marks right now. Because do they not remember? Does he honestly not remember? Maybe alien physiology, maybe he doesn't. Or is he just not able to admit those feelings? And he can't lie to her and say it's not true. So he just says, I don't remember. And then he walks out. He leaves her standing there. After all of that, she could have been happy. She could have moved on. And then to get her hopes up and crush her again? One time I understand. You want to break it off now before it gets any further. Now you're just punishing this poor girl. That's not right. You can't lead her on like that. Oh, he wasn't in control of himself. Oh, he didn't know what alcohol would do. That's no excuse. I still feel so bad for her. And as much as I say this is one of my favorite episodes, it ends on such this dark note of Liz's storyline. But it's still got this hope. I think that's more than what we had before. Because I honestly do think the alcohol made him honest. That was the real Max. If he wasn't worried about consequences, if he wasn't worried about being caught... I think that's how Max would be all the time. I think he'd be fun, and he'd be funny, and daring, and want to show off. But he will not allow himself any of that. And I think that's why he butts head with Michael all the time. I don't even think Michael is more reckless than Max. But Max has much more self-discipline. 
I don't know, it's a sad sort of moment, but the fun of the rest of the episode just gets me through it. So I kind of just blow through that last scene, head into the next couple episodes, and just cross my fingers that everything's going to turn out okay. This is TV, guys. This is pre-Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. We are not in Heartbreak City. We're in Roswell. Before the episode ends, we're left with one last little scene. It's the grass outside the library again. We see these feet in kind of a trench coat and this presumably man walking up to the grass. He waves his hand over it. The flames ignite in the same symbol that Michael poured into the grass. <gasps> Could it be? Is it him? Nesato? <gasps> we'll have to tune in next week to find out. Oh my goodness, so much is coming up. Some things that I'm not super excited about. Some things that I am really excited about. Ah, tell me what you're looking forward to. Tell me what you've thought of this episode or previous episodes. Email me at thecrashdownpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to have a discussion with you guys. Do you think I'm silly for liking this episode so much? Do you love these wacky pair-ups? I always love those road trip episodes, those bottle episodes that put different characters together than what we normally see. Their dynamics are so extreme in in so many different ways, but at the same time, I do believe their motivations and why these characters do what they do. If you want me to get into more of that, if you guys want me to talk way more about the music, you know, I didn't even mention half of what I'd love to talk about. But again, these are getting so long sometimes, you guys. So let me know. What do you think about the length? What do you think about these episodes? What do you think of my hosting abilities? I can take honest feedback. I'd love to get your critique. Anyways, I'll cut it off now. Until next time, you guys, happy Roswell watching.